0: Hello and welcome to The Dish Podcast. I'm Lawrence Russell, Deputy Editor of Connectivity Business News. My guest today is Kevin Steen, Chief Executive Officer of OneWeb Technologies. We want to remind our listeners about the upcoming Connectivity Next Summit 2023, presented by Connectivity Business News. The virtual event is scheduled to go live November 13 to 14, and will focus on trends and opportunities in the satellite and telecom connectivity sector. The summit will provide insight into the latest developments and trends that are changing how connectivity professionals create strategic plans for satcom development, deployment, and commercialization. The event is entirely free, and participants can register at connectivitybusiness.com/slash-connectivity-next-summit-2023.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Kevin Steen. I am CEO here at OneWeb Technologies. We are a proxy company. For those of you that are familiar with proxy companies affiliated with uh, and owned by OneWeb, our parent company. We're a wholly owned subsidiary, but in a proxy structure. And our prime mission, our sole fo- focus is serving the US government and their user community. Wonderful. So, so Kevin, what's your understanding of the contemporary and future needs of the DoD and allied NATO procurers? Yeah, so I'll answer that in the context of SATCOM, obviously. So SATCOM has always been, but it increasingly is becoming more and more important to uh, to the DOD and NATO partners relative to the national security interests. It is becoming a much more strategic part of their national security strategy. So the uh, procurement of bandwidth is uh, rising, increasing, you can see from the market forecasts. And they're leveraging commercial SATCOMs more and more and more versus launching their own proprietary satellites. So the uh, SATCOM, as we've said, in the domain battle space is becoming increasingly more and more important and you can probably envision that as you see the tensions around the world and what's happening, how how they might leverage satellite communications as part of their national security plan. One
0: sure. um, uh, OneWeb is involved in the Space Bacon standardization program with DARPA. What made you the clear choice for that? How will your work stand out there next to your competitors?
1: So that, that's a great question. Um, so uh, Space Bacon was, is sponsored by an agency called DARPA. Uh, or the research and development end of the U.S. DoD, if you will, they're trying to bring advanced technologies to bear for the U.S. DoD. And what they seek relative to uh, to space bacon is they seek a multi-layer capability, meaning it's not just geo, not just mio, not just leo. So they're looking for leo solutions to see, to inject into their multi-layer strategy. And within leo, they're looking for multi-layer within leo itself. So when you think of of OWT, right, OneWeb Technologies we're at 1200 kilometers, our competitors are at lower um, uh, orbital shells, if you will. So they want that mix of even different orbital shells to give them resiliency uh, if the if the uh, if there's an attack of any kind or a, um, an, an event. Um, and they're also seeking a multi-vendor approach, they're not just going to shove all their eggs in one basket with one partner, right? So some of our competitors also are on the, on the Space Bacon program as they should be. So are looking for multi-shell and multi-vendor approach. And then third, I think where it gets interesting is um, OWT. We're not vertically integrated. Okay, we we uh, bring to bear uh, technologies from a lot of third party technology vendors, and what they're looking for in in us, why they I believe they they wanted us is they like our flexible mindset and our creativity. We don't have a "not invented here" attitude, and so I think that 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 is very important to them. You know, one of our core values is to listen very carefully to our customers. And then provide a solution that gets right to solving the root cause of the problem and, and be flexible in those solutions. We don't just have a, a menu that you just you can order off the menu. And this is it. That's all we're going to provide. So they know that we are listening to them and we're willing to do work and collaborate with them to bring customized solutions to bear. Um, number the next one I put up there is uh, our mission, OWT, One Web Technologies. We serve the U.S. military. Right. So we are in full support of their missions and our staff. The majority of our staff comes from the armed services. We have a lot of retired personnel. A lot of them had clearances. They were all active duty. So they understand that our staff is fully invested. Our employees are fully invested in supporting the end users. We have a passion to bring solutions to market to help their brethren who are still in the armed services. That's a a unique uh, aspect, I think, about uh, OneWeb Technologies. Um, and then I think that they they know that the investments we're making in Leo Technologies right now will continue to benefit defense and our service members, not only today, but in the future. We're here for the long haul in defense, right? That's the only thing we do is, is defense-oriented solutions. So we're, you know, we're focused on finding the best solution and capabilities for our customers, the end users, right, And kill, including building command and control and communication solutions that will connect our customers in the most secure and robust and resilient ways, and that's the foundational thrust of Space Bacon is how can we l- harness or leverage LEO capabilities in a secure, robust, and resilient way? And that's exactly what we do, and they know it. So that is why <laughs> DARPA selected us on Space Bacon.
0: Hmm. It, it's, a, it's a challenging uh, uh, technical um, undertaking. Um, on hmm. topping of uh, standardization, how do you see the dilemma of designing technology with proprietary limitations against enabling integration with the technologies? of your market rivals.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so that's a hot topic, right? Do you standardize or do you not? We believe, right, at OneWeb Technologies, standardization is going to help drive scale and adoption of of Leo capabilities and actually satcoms in general. It'll bring to bear much more robust and capable and resilient solutions to the U.S. government versus homegrown proprietary solutions. Yes, you need the ecosystem on board. Yes, everybody wants differentiation, but I think the way that those technologies come together much more powerfully is when you have a standards-based approach, right? So think about hybrid networks. Not only is it going to be multi-orbit, Leo, Mio, Geo, but there'll be integration with terrestrial networks, whether it's wireless or it's terrestrial fiber, who knows, it doesn't matter. Those standards are gonna allow the interoperability of our technologies, and it will drive a much bigger adoption. So if you are standards-based, you'll get farther out there in your deployment, if you will, versus a niche, and having a smaller install base or a smaller set of communities that can use it. So I'm a big proponent of standards. I think when you do that, it gives our end customer then more choices. We bring standards-based technologies to bear. It'll drive the ecosystem to far more robust solutions, and it will continue to propel the adoption of of satellite, if you will, Satcom adoption farther. I think proprietary technologies limit what you can bring to the U.S. government as a solution. You would therefore be limited to your team what they can develop all by themselves. Standards gives you a much more broader access to a broader ecosystem of technologies that you can you can integrate. And so, I'm a I'm a big proponent of it.
0: Completely agree. So something that um, Tim Grayson spoke about when introducing the uh, Space Bacon program to um, enterprise uh, individuals, he uh, spoke mm-hmm. in brief um, about transitioning procurements uh, at the DoD uh, in principle um, to a set of procurement uh, to, to allow mm-hmm. enterprises mm-hmm. to own and operate systems used by personnel. How do you imagine yep. a
1: model of services like that working? Well, so just to be clear, right, there's already been RFPs out in the market and awarded for as-a-service, right? So the U.S. Marine Corps was awarded an, as an, an as-a-service model. Uh, a, a PLEO, that RFP that is is hopefully soon, is an as-a-service model, model. And then the Army SAMS program, right, is an as-a-service model. So the military is, it's not if they're going to adopt it, and it's not even when. it's Those RFPs are already out there, so it's going to happen. Um, and what that gives them is, I think, multiple... The uh, twofold, I think I focus on two primary things that the as a service gives them. Number one, it changes how they buy. They go from CapEx money to OpEx money. So it's a different quote, flavor of money and it gives them flexibility. So it's a faster time to procurement for US DoD, which is historically obviously painfully slow. Right, so it, it speeds their time to adopt technologies, and it gives them a much more uh, a flexible way to procure. It. They can use their money differently. They have more freedom in their OpEx money to pick better technologies, and so you don't have to worry about a long-term, long-cycle, huge CapEx-intensive program that requires years to go through the procurement process to get the proof of concepts done. Done. It's a much faster way to procure, and then you they are going to get the second side of that is they get technology refreshes faster. So instead of relying on oh I bought this. And I got to live with what it is for five years with incremental improvements, possibly the as a service model enables and drives technology refreshments on the, either the buyer cycle or even the provider cycle. It's it's now my incentive is to give them better technology to ensure that the stickiness remains and they keep re-upping every, whenever that term expires, that they keep just staying with that as a service model. So it drives sticky revenue for, uh, and reoccurring revenue for technology companies like, like one we technologies. And it also is far better for the U.S. government in terms of the technologies they get and how flexible they can then become when they buy services. Hmm.
0: Terrific. So uh, last month, you announced Sally and Infrastructure Services as a distribution partner for your Mm -hmm. Leo offerings. How will that now enable you to bring more to commercial and civil government customers?
1: Yes. Good question. So we at OneWeb Technologies, we go to market through distribution partners. That's our path to market. Why? A it gives us scale. B, those distribution partners have spent years honing their offering and developing very tight and sticky relationships with their specific vertical they serve. So Stallion, mm-hmm. that vertical they serve, they are they are, they have very tight relationships with their end users. So we will leverage their knowledge, their stickiness, their tightness, sell through them to get to the end user versus trying to go direct. That's just not scalable. I, I, it would take forever for us to replicate all of those sticky relationships across all the distribution parties we serve. That's number one. So now number two, Stallion can then invest in the value added services they want to invest in to layer on what we provide to then drive their differentiation. So the end user gets even more out of Stallion being involved because they're gonna do things for that specific vertical that I might not do if I were to go direct to that vertical, right? So they will then focus on the specific security requirements of their end users, which are a little different than the end users in the military, right? So they will do things very specifically for that vertical they are in that I couldn't afford that investment multiple times across all those DPs and all those verticals. Um, So those customers then, because that's more of a commercial style or a commercial market are going to get the things that a commercial market values and and will drive value into their end users. Right? So Stallion's customers are more for-profit customers versus military distribution partner that has military end users that are uh, executing a mission. So those are very different models. So Stallion will focus on the profitability that they deliver and increasing the profitability of their end customer. So uh, distribution partners give us that strength in tight relationships with the end user that it would take us way too long and be way too costly to to develop ourselves. Um, So that's... The stallion, for example, will focus on the mission critical that that vertical needs, and they'll enable those, and it'll, it'll drive a, again a, a very sticky relationship. And it won't, they'll take on that investment that I couldn't take on myself.
0: So, so we talked about um, service models now, um, talking about mm-hmm. you, the using of uh, commercial networks in uh, mission yep. critical settings. Um, the, one of the concerns here is security over commercial networks. Yep. How does one web Technologies guarantee assurance at a design level?
1: Yeah, so you, you're right. This security aspect of this is front and center. Right? The U.S. government is mandating that all of the satcons, if you will, meet certain requirements or at the, this level of security and resiliency. So for us, um, the the number one, the constellation by its very architecture, by its very design is secure, whether it's the satellites and you're changing beams and changing frequencies X seconds or you're changing satellites every Z minutes, right? So by the very nature of the design of the satellite, it is changing frequencies rapidly that in of itself uh, delivers an inherent secure architecture. Um, it's also to the, to the approach you take to the data, right? So you got IP packets transiting, right? Our satellite network. So it's how we protect that data, whether it's at rest, right? Or it's in transit, but it's in encrypted. So we, we leverage the right and we meet or exceed the right encryption standards. Um, and then our flexibility in providing other transport mechanisms and capabilities that are requested by the U.S. government, right? So right, that ties back to the first question you asked, right, not SATCOMs. And, and why they picked us in question two for uh, for Space Bacon is they love our flexibility as they think of new ways to protect their data or they come across a new problem. They love the fact that we will come come to the table and solve it with them. Um, there are the baseline standards out there like IAAP and CMMC. We meet or exceed those, right? So we make sure we we meet or exceed the bars that are already set by the government. We have the flexibility and the capability to adapt to new requirements as they come along. So security is one of our differentiators. We're private, and it is you know again, as I say, inherent in our design but it's something you can never stop at or pause at. You, the bar never sits. right? That bar is constantly rising, and that's what we will continue to do with US government, is meet those increasing demands or exceed them.
0: Sure. Speaking of um, the rising bar, um, one of the more critical questions to mm-hmm. end on here. Um, in the face of uh, yeah. critical infrastructure breaches across the Western world, including multiple Pentagon infiltration, some experts believe cybersecurity yeah. should focus on post-breach countermeasures double locking the front door is no good when the burglar you're up against keeps coming through the window. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that?
1: I, I think post, post-breach countermeasures are important. We shouldn't just give up or ignore you know, pre-breach, right? Make the barrier to entry as high as we can make, but you can't assume they're never going to get in, right? So you must have post-breach countermeasures, right? One of the things I, I uh, analogy I make is Okay, you you locked the front door, you locked the windows, you did everything you need to do, but they still got into the kitchen somehow, some way. They came through the dog door. Fine. Don't let them get to the office, right? So Mm -hmm. you must have post breach countermeasures that assume they're going to get X far in. Then do the smart things that isolate them, lock them down, disconnect them from other parts of the network. Don't let them go sideways through your network. Build your network smart, right? That's number one. And then um, I believe in a zero-trust architecture. As as people access systems and they want to move to another system, make sure they must re-authenticate. Just because they got in the front door, then don't leave all the other doors of your house open, right? Make them use a key to go from room to room with multi-factor authentication and other methodologies. Um, and so you just lock down so they can't go sideways. And uh, so I think post-breach is absolutely the smart thing to do. Um, just you got to assume they're going to get in great now once they're in what do you do you need logs what you need to know exactly what they did when they got in so you know what if anything left, where did it left who took it how to go what got taken and also where did where were you good at blocking them sideways so i think that post breach is very important to think that we can keep them from getting in and that's the place we invest i think is short-sighted
0: terrific answer kevin Steen, uh chief executive of one web Technologies. thank you very much for your time today thanks